0: Yes, yes, yes. It is another Monday evening and we are back in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios for yet another edition of the number one fan podcast in Australia. For Vuck's sake, my name is Jason. I'm your host. Joining me in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios, as usual, is the man of the people, Buds. Hello, mate. Looking a bit worse for wear today?
1: Yeah, deflated, but not from the result. Just went too hard on the weekend. Those are round one of each season, as exciting as the first, but I'm older every year it comes around and it takes longer and longer to recover.
0: It's a good buzz, that round one, isn't it? Just kind of, you know, after mm. a long off season, getting to the pub with your mates. Uh, yeah,
1: I've got tradition with Cabbage. We generally get together at about 2.30 or 3pm.
0: Yeah, Cabbage has been on this show before, um, always good for, for a laugh and a few, uh, few house music tunes on the podcast when he's on here. Also joining us is the Chief Analyst of VUXSAKE. And I've got to say, Dave, there's a lot to uh, analyse this week for the Victory. It's a pretty interesting round one. A loss, but nothing to really be too alarmed about, but lots to analyse and discuss.
2: That's right, Jace. Uh, yeah, good to be back after round one. Um, I'm feeling surprisingly chipper compared to my colleague, the man of the people. Uh, I miss pre-drinks. I uh, had a 40th before... The game, and so I managed to sort of keep some level of control, but uh, yeah, it was still pretty wasted myself. Mm. Uh,
1: Yeah, I, I backed up. That day I spent, the night before I spent with the guys from Destruction in the Box ah. and we brought in the actual first game of the new season around at Clarkie's house, so that was big. So we were on the tins then and then it was a big day drinking then and then uh, yesterday I had a few hair of the dogs while we had some friends over and <laughs> the wife wasn't looking so I snuck a few extras in and uh, yeah... Uh, drink responsibly.
0: So a big weekend for, for Buds and a big, big show on the agenda for us tonight. For fuck's sake, Simon Hill is going to be our main guest, the voice of the A-League. We also discussed the season opener and all the fallout from that, the, uh, the VAR and also the new, new formation from the Victory. We also chat a potential new signing on uh, for Melbourne Victory as well as our uh, preview of the next game against Perth Glory and perhaps also talking a little bit about the Vuck documentary Believe that was aired on Fox Sports uh, in the last week. Music theme, Dave, we're going with your choice today. It's uh, a first for everything on the Vuck's sake.
2: Yes, much to the relief of uh, all of our listeners, I'm sure. Uh, Yes, I've been given free reign this time around and because the great man Bruce Dickinson is in the country and because Simon Hill himself is in a metal band, we're going with Iron Maiden.
0: So let's get into it. You're listening to for fuck's sake.
2: Guess who's back for another season? It's Ambrosia Floral Designs, as seen on The Block and Married at First Sight. Shit show, by the way. Located in Tullamarine, Marine, Ambrosia specialise in weddings, functions and corporate events. They also offer floral workshops, which make great gift ideas. There you go, boys. Something for you guys to do for your expecting other halves. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338. 9338- Three six zero nine, or you can contact her online at ambrosia floral designs.com. Mention FBS to receive a discount off your next booking.
0: And thank you to Ambrosia, who are coming on board for yet another year. I think it's their fourth year with us. So we thank Ambrosia for coming on board. And congratulations to Leanne and uh, Chun, who um, who just recently gave birth themselves. It's, it's really is baby season. Everywhere. It? It's baby oh, season. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of babies the going future on. Future
2: Roma and Victory supporter. Yeah.
0: Uh, So it's time to launch our Patreon for this season and uh, a few have jumped on board already uh, since we mentioned it last week. So thanks to these following people, Terry Rowan, Sherrod Fogarty, Kyle Huxley, Ben McKay McKay, and Ben Williams who have all jumped on board uh, the Patreon for this season and we do thank you. If you are an existing Patreon, you will still be uh, a Patreon subscriber and will be entitled to the same rewards as you were last year. In addition... Oh, yeah. to more stuff. So, we'll, uh, let's discuss that now. We have a, a new sponsor jumping on board for the season, and it's a big one, Buds.
1: Yeah, we got the Temple Brew House in uh, Brunswick East, the home of FVS. Yes. Yes, they are, they're home of the award-winning bicycle beer. Uh, Which temp- we're drinking right now. Yeah, yeah very nice summer I'll be ale. We've been drinking all year, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Temple's uh, beer, it's all brewed on site in their, uh, their state-of-the-art brew house in Brunswick East they're pretty skilled and they're pretty passionate at what they do and uh every mouthful of tasty delicious craft beer is brewed on site in brunswick east that tastes good yeah brewed footsteps away from uh where we are enjoying it right now so they've got a bar there a restaurant and a function space big enough for 100 people so we may do fes live there as well so um They've got a, uh, a beer for every occasion, and their uh, their brew house is a place for every occasion. So you can visit them at 122 Western Street in Brunswick East, or you can give them a follow on Insta at Temple Brewing.
0: So you can go down there. There's a brewery, which you can drink at as well. It's uh, mm-hmm. pretty much the, the, the fun thing to do in Melbourne. It's the, the it thing. Everyone's got a brewery that you can go down and drink at. And we're going to be giving away uh, pots. To yeah, the, uh, the brewery there, you can go down and get yourself a pot if you are a subscriber to Patreon. Everyone's going to get a pot, I think, uh, unless we get too many Patreon subscribers and we run out of vouchers. But there's, everyone's going we'll to uh, get a pot voucher. And we're also going to give away slabs throughout the season. Uh, yeah. Probably even Patreon and maybe even uh, the occasional one or two. Even slabs or six-packs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Six packs. So we'll be giving out... Uh, yeah, we give them out pots and you know, slabs and six-packs and all that kind of shit throughout the course of the year. And thanks to the Temple Brewing Co., good to get a local sponsor yeah, and, on uh, board.
1: If you get your pot voucher, every Friday night they do $1 Buffalo Wings. Uh, they've got a really sick menu there. Uh you do get beef brisket tacos. They're two for 10 bucks. And every Thursday night they've got the $20 Palmer and house beer. And the good thing is when you go to a brewery, every beer is a house beer
0: beautiful so get down there you might even see Bud's there one Friday night 122 Western Street Brunswick East beautiful and if you want to join Patreon it is uh, just patreon.com slash for fuck's sake we're going to be releasing a video uh, probably tomorrow or the next day depending on when you're listening to it uh, with a bit, uh, bit more information let's cast our minds onto the Melbourne Derby, the two-run result, the uh, the loss against Melbourne City in front of 40,504 people. A fantastic crowd, one of our best Derby crowds in quite a while. Unfortunately, not the result that we wanted, uh, but there's not too much cause for concern. A really interesting one to talk about, I think, because it's the first game we've played, uh, really, I guess, a game in the A-League, because we've played Asian Champions League and pre-season football with a, a different formation, but a very different formation as terms of A-League, and it looks like we're going to be going forward with this. But really interesting to talk about, not only the setup of the team, but I guess also the way we lost in, in VAR.
2: Yeah, we'll delve into the formation shortly, but I just think there was plenty to take away from this game, despite the result. The post-match discussions in the pub were surprisingly lucid and uh, reflective and calm. Would you say, uh, Budsy? Uh, normally, when losing to this mob, uh, I think it's just a depressing state of affairs. Mm. It's a, it's a very much a. Yeah, you almost don't, don't even want to come in on the Monday to do the podcast because you don't want to talk about losing to them. But not this time. Uh, everything was you know, really considered, and that was based on the performance on the park. We dominated most of the game. I think uh, it was 17 shots to eight. Uh, we had a lot more of the possession. And, yeah, I think you throw Ola Toivinen in, in there. And yeah, uh, you know, more time for this squad to gel to that new formation, and I, th- I think there's plenty to get excited about.
1: Yeah, look, if I'm uh, in the pub afterwards and we've lost to them, and I'm not kicking and screaming and having a big sook about it, um, you know things weren't too bad. It's probably the <clears throat> probably the least upset I've ever left a game where we've lost to them, because things uh seemingly were. Pretty good for a long time, and I knew we didn't have our best team out there. Uh, it took Eugene Lekevic three of his best saves he's ever pulled out of his arse. Um, James Choisi hit the just that wrong centimetre of the the inside of the upright. Um, what else? The VAR. Um, there's a lot of things that went right for them that yeah. didn't go right for us. And uh, apart from the ref, uh, apart from the VAR, I don't like talking about the refs. I never use them as an excuse, but he was a disgrace in that first half. Pretty much gave everything to them. Uh, look, we didn't have our best team. Um, saw some good, good enough signs. Uh, there was another point that I had the that I was thinking of yesterday. Yeah, singling out our players—you couldn't basically single any of our players out for having a really shit game. Probably only the weak link we had on the park, I think, it was probably Corey Brown.
0: I think Kenny to an extent as well, but through no fault of his own.
1: Yeah, he was a victim of circumstances yeah. and
0: basically Kenny needs
1: to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Kenny got pushed off the ball far too much. They were they handled him quite well. But at the start he's you know, he shouldn't be starting yet. Yeah. He shouldn't yeah. be starting. He had to and, you know, he might be better for the run. Yeah, particularly as the game got older,
2: you could see Kenny struggling with, you know, very often two defenders at his back. In the first half, I thought he held his own. Um, mm. And look, uh, just to come back to Eugene Golikovic, he played out of his skin and, you know, that just adds to that never-ending yeah. narrative of old boys having these uh, amazing performance against us. On any other day, a couple more of those 17 shots would have turned into goals and we'd be here talking about a win.
0: Uh, Kenny had a good, really good chance in the second half. Probably just didn't have the, the technique... Or the nouse to really uh, put that one home, just blaze it over the bar. I do want to get in depth with this formation because yes. it's a huge thing. It's a huge change from Melbourne Victory, and I think this is probably the formation we're going to go with, rolling throughout the year. Knowing how stubborn Kevin is, yeah, um, he's
2: de- he's made his decision. This is what it's going to be, yeah, and he's going to square peg round hold it no matter what, yeah. Uh, and and look. It's, it's, it's good we get to talk about something yeah, different for once. It's a,
0: <laughs> so it's a bit of a careful what you wish for scenario type here because last year, the year before even, we were crying out for that change of formation and then I saw it in action on Saturday and I just kind of looked at a few, of the, a few, different, a few different moments of the game where I was like, these players don't know where they're supposed to be. I'll make just two uh,
2: initial comments. Firstly, with the two up front, Obviously, it'll be Costa and Ola once Ola is back. And look, Simon Hill, who we're going to hear from later, made a comment that I agree with about the fact that Costa is, is that real width player. And I'm not entirely convinced that two up front is our go based on the personnel we have. But the big thing that I like or the big shift in this entire formation is the playing of one holding midfielder. Mm. So clearly Kevin Musket has total faith in Raul, ba- Raul Boena, Baena. Beena. Yeah, I'll get there one day. <laughs> to, to be able to manage that role. And so, you know, for as long as we've known Kevin Musket managing this side, it's been Valeri Milligan, you know, Antonis Valeri, Broxham Valeri, you know, one of those two. So that, that's the huge shift for
1: me. Well, that's what I like about Bain's game. He basically, uh, if you look back on how he played last year, he was actually playing the role of two players the other night, um, and while while getting, he did he did it with aplomb, while getting adjusted to the, he. I, I'm going to say it, he would never have played in a game that hard before coming from the La Liga. That was a very fast physical game. Intense. Yeah, he had bandages on his head at the end of the game to prove how hard he went in, and I thought he put a real shift in. Uh, I was very, very happy with him, and I'd be very happy to see him go forward. Uh, there was speculation whether he was going to start. We thought he was last week, and then people were like, oh, he's not going to start over Carl. Well, we saw Kasuke or Cascade yeah. had, the, uh, had the armband, so it wasn't just a shift in, um, in formations, a shift in on-field leadership, yeah. too, the other night as well. So it was a very different Melbourne victory. And what I really loved about Bayana was
2: that when he was substituted off everyone that was standing near us on the on the terrace just were, were watching him come off the sidelines and just the way he was geeing up the troops and and just showing so much enthusiasm oh, I was just incredibly impressed as was everyone else who was watching it
0: absolutely uh, despite a nice little piece of teckers late in the game oh, yeah. as well it was almost ignited something which would have been from uh, from the clouds so uh yeah impressive first up start for him i also thought impressive first game from cascade honda playing in a position that no one earmarked him to play when he signed for melbourne victory and uh, i'm not too sure how it's going to work i I think that he's still wasted in that position he was playing as a what is a kind of a deeper midfielder uh Still. He was on the the, the right hand side of it. was was
2: basically a narrow diamond. Mm-hmm. So we we've clearly decided to to uh, use this kind of narrow diamond system, which I actually I'm actually in 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 favour of because there's an aspect of it that I really enjoy. It gives the midfield a kind of fluidity where if those four players involved are incredibly in tune with one another and are able to to pass and run. What you'll end up seeing, I think, is that opposition sides will be quite unprepared for the fact that all four of those, more or less, apart from the holder, are able to switch and rotate and swap around. And I think that has the potential to bamboozle A-League But do you have
0: to be spot on with your passes with this? It takes away the width a little bit.
2: Do you have to be spot on
0: with your your short, sharp passing? And I I think at times that probably failed us a little bit on Saturday night. Yeah, to an
1: extent. It's... um the, the pass and move is paramount. Now, one thing that I think City always do, and I have to give them credit for this, because this is their grand final, and their same kind of <laughs> players like your Luke Brattens always seem to step up in this game, and their midfield has a tendency to throttle ours. Mm. And they really um, asserted their dominance in that second half. And I don't know whether it was we got tired or heads dropped a bit or it's just... We're getting used to a new system with new players, but I think so are they as well to an extent. And uh, we really got showed up through the midfield in our defence because a ball Bratton put through to Riley yeah, Degree was an absolute perler. Um,
2: well taken goal. I said yeah. it on the night. I was like, well, if you're going to ha- cop a goal like that,
1: then that's that.
2: Um,
0: bit but of Bit of karma for both the, the, the grand final because we, you know, grand final, we were um, benefited by the failure of VAR. And then also Riley McGree had a really probably the the best chance for for Newcastle in that grand final and, and missed that. So we copped the VAR decision against us, and we copped the Riley McGree goal. So a bit of karma for the grand final.
2: And quite strange that uh, he was the one to effectively put Newcastle into the grand mm. final, thanks to his uh, scorpion goal heroics. And then uh, for the same team that he ended up knocking out, yeah, he ends up. Uh, Bringing home the bacon. Mm. We
0: rushed over. Sorry, we rushed over Honda a little bit. Do you oh want yeah, let's, on let's that? not do that. Yeah, let's I was. Not, gonna,
1: I was going to bring it back to him. Well, he yeah. I think he showed glimpses of he's the most skillful player that we've ever seen in the shirt. Mm. I think it's already clear to see that we're going to see that out of him this year. He was picking the ball up. You did make the comment before that he was a playing as a deep deeper midfielder on that right side. He was picking the ball up way deeper than I thought he was going to, mm. and he was. Uh, he was enjoying running with the. Going on runs as well. His touch and his pace is uh, something that's going to see uh, many goals from him this year. And I actually thought it was a great effort for him. You can see there's him and Kenny, Like all, all like rights were with Kenny to win that header for the goal. Yeah, The <laughs> guy towers over Cascade. He was right in the area. He'd beaten his man. And it's the smarts and the quality from a guy like Cascade to know when to jump and leap and get your head in. And Kenny doesn't have that.
0: Love the goal. Celebrated. Very, very heartily, and uh, the the biggest thing I love about what happened Saturday night is that on his social media channels he was posting a little bit of a and A on his Instagram stories. The uh, just before the game, he, he drove himself to the game. Doesn't have a driver, just drive himself to the game. Just a real down to earth, good guy. Mark That's what a. you do when you're an angel investor, yeah. mate.
1: <laughs> That's what you do. But uh, I must say too, very noticeable. Uh, how many uh, of the Japanese community came to Melbourne and uh, are getting behind. It was great to see. It was a super crowd.
2: And how about the fact that the dead balls, like the corners and the free kicks, almost every time, I mean, the corners were a little bit off, off, but Mm. you can just see that he has that radar. He has that ability to create chances from dead balls. And we haven't had that in a very long time where you just think something is going to happen here because... Care okay, is on on the ball
1: yeah dead balls were great the second half a lot of the corners because we had quite a few corners amazing stat they didn't have one corner for the game I did notice
0: that yeah. and don't don't speak ill of or George last year very good from a dead ball last year sorry actually that's a good point uh, but the man who is uh also did does share uh, dead ball duties from time to time is James Teresi. uh very much a whipping boy on this podcast but has to be uh, given credit. He did play an improved game on Saturday night. Best
1: game I've seen from him for quite some time. Played like a man that didn't have all the pressure on him to mm. be the key exactly. creator. Uh, did, yeah. Um, I thought I heard someone uh, earlier today or read someone earlier today was saying that he was one of the weaker links in the team. Um, totally incorrect. Yeah, very incorrect. I think he so, featured in the votes
0: as well, didn't he? He does. Yeah. I was
1: yeah, yeah. very, very happy with his game and he could have... Jeez. Oh, some just hitting those uh, uprights. What here. is it about James Treisi
2: and hitting uprights at uh, mm. very critical moments mm. in big games? But uh, look, he was tremendous in my view. I, I, I Close to man of the match for me. And I, I just I had this feeling that with Keske in the team, James would sort of that, that load of being the playmaker, that load of being the number 10, would just come off his shoulders a bit. And, 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 and he played with reckless abandon. I really enjoyed it and I, I reckon we're in for a good season and maybe
1: my outlandish prediction from last week <laughs> isn't so outlandish. Mine's dead. Happen. Mine's gone. Yeah. What was yours? <laughs> Mine was we wouldn't lose oh, a game gross. and then I backed it up. I doubled down and went uh, with uh, Bolt and he almost went to Malta. So I was, all, I was almost done and dusted by the end of round one. <laughs> I don't
0: want to get negative but it's going to take a, it's still going to take a few more weeks before this this team starts to click with that formation. Are we going to have a scenario where you know, probably in about three, four or five weeks we can probably say that our goals maybe readjust in terms of winning a, a Premier's plate? Because I feel like uh, while I have great hope for this side and I think they'll achieve something, whether it's in the Champions League or in finals, I think we're probably a little bit behind the eight ball on some of these clubs that may be a bit more established.
1: No, I didn't see anything from this weekend's games that made me think that we're going to be behind anyone after four or five weeks. Ditto. I agree with
2: the man of the people. The only concern and um, my aim was to raise this in this particular discussion is the fact that there's a bit of a cloud and uncertainty around Toivonen, hearing two to four weeks, not just that he was yeah. withdrawn for this particular game that that he has suffered some sort of setback and that can result in that situation that we've had in a lot of Melbourne victory seasons where we just have this really spluttering start to the season. And if we don't have our only gun striker playing, it means Kenny's playing every week and no disrespect to Kenny, but we've already covered off on it. He's not ready for those starting roles.
1: Oh, look, he may get a bigger engine and it may be better for him too. Um, Oh, look, I still got a lot of faith. I still got a lot of faith. One, one thing I want to also mention too, um, Niedermeyer was quite good. Yeah. The back four were okay. I thought Stormroo had a pretty decent start, but there is no chance that Delat should have been able to just cruise in without yeah. without any of them because they didn't really put any any defence on once Lawrence Lawrence saved the penalty again. Yeah, uh, he saved the penalty. Very and, unlucky.
0: Yeah, very unlucky. Uh, yeah, Delat had that pace... Uh, The show probably about five or six minutes before that penalty and and you can see that he's a serious player and I think he'll have a very good season in the A-week. He seems like a really class player.
2: Yeah, the interesting thing for City without dwelling on too much is like when Atkinson comes back, do they continue with uh, Delight at right back? Yeah, look, he's 29 um, and we sort of did raise the eyebrows a little bit about a marquee signing as a defender on loan but yeah, look, Probably the best credentialed defender in the league. Yeah, look, it
1: was a good game. Uh, good good A-League game. Strong, hmm. fast, uh, some uh, woeful refereeing and controversial goals, but that's the A-League, so welcome back, A-League.
2: Yeah, welcome mm. back
0: to the A-League and welcome back to the North Terrace as well. The fans were in fine voice, great atmosphere there.
2: How good would it be if those seat covers were navy blue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Would have been brilliant.
0: All right, let's talk about VAR. We're over, right. over looking it, uh, but the fans want to know our thoughts on it, and it's it's a really interesting one because probably the ruling and how VAR is determined or how it works is that uh, the decision in the end the 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 fact that was a penalty was correct, the foul call was right, but you I don't think you can reverse the foul call. So it's, no, it's such Jace,
2: a no, no, and stop being an apologist for the VAR as you tend to be, the foul call was not correct. It was it, not correct. I'm it, agreeing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm agreeing, well, but it's saying, look, like
0: once you call that foul, you can't say, oh, no, it's not a foul now.
2: No, well, they've, they've called upon the services of the VAR to adjudge that particular moment, and they've focused on the fact on whether it was inside the box or outside the box, mm-hmm. when the focus should have been on, firstly, was it a foul? Yeah. And, and as the A-League admitted after the fact, it was not a foul. Now, Look, I'm prepared to cop this one because, uh, you know, there was a certain match uh, in Newcastle not that long ago where we got the rub of the green. Well, no,
1: the, 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 yeah, the, the different kind of rub of the green because we, we benefited from the technology just flat-out failing. What happened the other night was the referees were just blatantly incompetent. So I would have been, been way happier or it would have been easier to digest if he just flat-out called a penalty and got it wrong. But the fact that we we honestly thought that there was going to be a yellow card from the VAR for Fornaroli for diving. It was that's that what fucking obvious. We were looking
2: at each other. Like, uh, I was explaining to everyone, oh, I think he's going to reverse this for simulation.
1: Yeah. And people are looking at me like, you're an idiot. The that, fact that's, that he, not, that's yeah. not going to be what happens. And we finally got to on the TVs at had or Marvel. Like, I don't know. Anyway, just, let's just I, go with Docklands. Yeah, Docklands. We actually saw more footage than I've ever seen for a VAR different angles, the split screen going, and it's like, how can you possibly call that a penalty? You can't do that. It is not beyond reasonable. It's not conclusive. You felt like it was going for ages. It, it for it ages been interesting.
0: Two. If it was originally called a penalty, mm-hmm. and then they came back to look at simulation, I think there's maybe a, te- a small technicality there because it was originally called a failure outside the box that they were looking, at, as you said, at just the penalty factor, not... Know, the simulation fact, because then maybe if you if you overturn that foul call outside the box and you open up a Pandora's box where you can look at every foul around the ground, regardless yeah. of whether it's in and, or outside And, the and box. this
2: is the issue, the fundamental issue with the VAR is that all that is happening, you're adding this extra layer of, of contention. Different incidents get viewed differently by different people and all of a sudden these guys are under pressure to, to try and interpret what has happened when, in actual fact... If we just left it in the hands of the referee, you'd cop the odd bad decision because that's the way it that's goes. the way it But is. the VAR just... Not only does it do this in terms of the disputes around different calls and, 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 and all of that, but the annoying thing is just how much of a disruption it is to the enjoyment of a game. Yeah, it sucks. It, it sucks. just absolute And every game this weekend experienced it to some form or another. And, and that, to me, is just untenable.
0: What do you think the result would have been if there was VAR for the 2006 World Cup, Australia-Italy? What do you think that
2: decision no, would have uh,
0: been? It still would have been a pen. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> just thinking.
2: I mean, uh, annoyingly, but yeah. and it was just one of those. Yeah, Grosso knew what he was
0: doing yeah. in that moment. And,
2: you know, Neil should have kept...
0: Oh, yeah, on it his was seat. stupid. It was stupid. Do we have some votes? <laughs> um another throwback. I, I was just thinking, <laughs> it just popped in my head. Yeah. Do we have some votes? This is the uh, the new sponsor uh, of the Balls of Steel Player of the Year, as voted by the fans on social media, which is Twitter and Facebook. You can find us just by searching for fuck's sake.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: Macrio. Macrio and uh, Macrio Steel. It's the same
2: well, kind of the same person involved, our dear friend Kire who, yeah, it's, so it's the same people involved, but uh, they've changed names, so yeah.
1: Three votes, Honda. Right. Two votes, Choicey. One vote, Boehner. Yeah, I like that. Mm.
2: Good,
0: to well see, done, good to see two new faces featuring and also uh, a man who needs to pull his socks up, so it's a really encouraging start for the Vuck. A loss, but still lots of positives to draw. Let's hope that things continue over the next few weeks. It's time for our chat with Simon Hill. us on the line now from uh, Fox Sports, the lead commentator and the, the doyen, I'd say, now of, of Australian football, uh, Simon Hill. Welcome back to FES.
3: Nice to be with you guys. How are you? Not too bad at
2: all. Yeah, going well, Simon. Very well. Uh, could be better, of course, given the
0: result, but uh, we'll hear your thoughts on that <laughs> yeah. in a moment. So let's get your thoughts on the on the game, Simon. It was a, a fairly, you know, interesting result lots of plenty of, or plenty of talking points from the melbourne derby it, it as far as victory fans go it's not too much of a of a downcast mood from from our standpoint um, but i'm keen to get your thoughts on how you thought the game played out probably you know without uh, taking the var var out of it how did you how you see victory's performance
3: well i think i'm probably with you guys i thought there was lots to be encouraged about um, i think really Victory can count themselves very unlucky to have lost the game. Uh, they had some good opportunities, and really, it just allowed the game to slip away from them. Uh, obviously, the VAR decision or the refereeing decision, with the help of VAR, didn't uh, assist in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I think overall, there's you know there's lots to be positive about uh, for victory. I thought Honda was good. Uh, I thought uh, the two fullbacks. Got up particularly storm and supported and attack gave the team width. Um, if you're looking for downsides, uh, look maybe uh, you know there, there, there needs to be uh, a betting down period for uh, whatever shape Muskie thinks you know best suits the personnel he's got at his disposal this season. I, I'm not sure Terry Antonis's best position is the left hand side of a 4-4-2 diamond. <laughs> um and he he got rather exposed at times uh by richie Delat, who was an absolute beast down the right hand side for city but yeah i think apart from the result which obviously you know i'm sure you're disappointed about i think there there was lots to be enthused about the performance and uh you know, I have no doubt that Victory will be will be up there challenging again this season. They've, they've certainly got a good enough squad too on paper.
0: Yeah, to expand on that formation, Simon, because I was quite interested by that as well. It seemed like at times it seemed a little bit chaotic and players not knowing uh, mm-hmm. where they were where they were going and things like that. Do you think this is? It's a, it's obviously a really drastic change for Melbourne Victory in terms of the shape. Do you think it's going to be one that's going to be successful, or does it need? Uh, a fair bit of tinkering, Antonio, as you mentioned, but also perhaps um, even Honda to a to a uh, to a you know, aspect as well.
3: Mm. Well, I mean, you know, Kevin Muskett said I did an interview with Muskie for the Fox Sports website a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, part of the challenge in the off season is not only, of course, you know, then replacing the likes of Berisha and Leroy George and, and Rhys Williams, but but also figuring out, you know, how to how to approach it. Um, and, you know, my question at the time was, where does James Troisi fit into all of this? You know, I wondered whether perhaps he would play with 210s or whether Troisi would be forced wider or, you know, whether Troisi might even be sacrificed for Honda and, and Joey Ingram might get uh, go to give the team the width. But anyway, look, that's the way he went on on the weekend. That doesn't mean that that is necessarily set in stone. But I do think it, it opens up some interesting questions. Uh, Antonis is certainly one. Uh, Troisi is another. I think thirdly is Costa Ballerrus. I mean he played as a you know, almost a twin striker with with Kenny a few um you know I like Costa on the right wing that that's his best position for me. Uh, I thought he was a little bit subdued in the derby maybe because of that positional switch. So now that that is the challenge for for Kevin Mosca and his team is is to find the best shape and the best system to to fit everybody in. Um and obviously that's you know going to be tricky but uh now, there's, a, there's also the likes of Ola and still to come back as well. So, you know, as I say, at this point of the season, with only one round gone, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think the performance overall was was good enough. Uh, it's just that the result wasn't.
2: Yeah, bang on there, Simon. And look, forty thousand people uh, showed up for this. Uh... Round one opener at uh, the newly named Marvel Stadium. And there's been a bit of talk about some of the, the TV ratings and the numbers uh, being a bit low. Is there much of a discussion over where you are around that uh, compared to, say, other sports. Uh, I'm, I don't read too much into it myself, but uh, is there any sort of concerns about the the, appear, the numbers appearing to be a bit lower than, than they usually are? Me, personally, I'm quite happy that we've managed to get 40,000 through the gates.
3: Well, look, of course, you always want the, uh, the ratings to be bigger. And, you know, it's one of our biggest problems as a sport at the moment is that we've not got enough eyeballs, either at the stadium or on TV. Uh, you're right you know, the crowds were, were fine at the weekend across the board, really, and particularly in Melbourne, where it was, you know, brilliant to have over 40,000 watching. I think, you know, there are, there are a few issues here, really. Uh, for a start, you know, we, we've been shooting ourselves in the foot with all this political nonsense that's been going on for the last three years. And I think a lot of people have, uh, have switched off because of that. I think, uh, you know, other people have lost a connection with the league because it's really stagnated over the last three years. And and by that, I don't mean the standard of play on the pitch. I actually think the standard of play is fine. But, uh, you know, I think there are other things that football fans, and and I insist upon the term football fans, because I think we've been trying to appeal way too much as a game to the mainstream sports fan for the last three years. And we've actually forgotten about our core audience and what they want. And they want atmosphere at grounds. They want... A proper football competition. They don't want Star Wars rounds and you know all the rest of the nonsense. But they want proper football competitions. And so I, I have every faith, actually, that you know going forward we're, we're sort of moving back towards that. And in fairness to the FFA and to Gregor Rourke in particular, I know he's worked very hard uh, trying to get back the active fans during the off season and and rejuvenating the league. But obviously, this is going to take time. And, you know, we we can't expect this massive increase either in ratings or crowds in one weekend. There's no silver bullet. Uh, you know, we we have to, we have to build and get back to, to doing what we do best. Uh, And that's running a, you know, proper football competition as opposed to what's gone on over, you know, probably the last two or three years. I think one more thing on this, and I'm sorry to go on about it. You know, the the nature of television these days is that, and I'm sure you're all the same, you know, when you get home, work at night you don't necessarily flick on the tv and put channel 9 or or even fox sports on your tv anymore you know a lot of people watch their media through their mobiles or online through their tablets etc etc so you know while the ratings on the surface seem pretty ordinary uh you know i think a lot of people watch the early through different means these days and if if we're going to get picky about how poor the ratings are. Well, have a look at the uh, the motorsport that was on over the weekend or uh, the basketball, which rated 28,000. Despite all the hype over the NBL, even the cricket, the second day of the test between Pakistan and Australia, only rated 71,000, which is only just ahead of the Melbourne Derby. So, you know, this is across the board. It's a, it's a changing audience landscape and gone are the days where the family used to sit around the goggle box on a Saturday night to watch whatever was planted before them. It's uh, it's totally different these days, and we have to respond to that market.
0: Yeah, you're right, and I think people have switched off the cricket because we're just playing awful these days anyway. No one wants to watch a loser, especially the Australian, <laughs> the fickle Australian <laughs> well, sports well, fan. Well, a fan of
3: England, that pleases me, obviously. So. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, something that was obviously a big talking point, not only in the victory game but also in the, uh, the Central Coast Mariners and Brisbane game was VAR, and it's something that we continue to harp on but probably needs to be uh, discussed a little bit uh, with yourself and I, I think a lot of fans kind of acknowledge that it's a necessary evil especially if we're getting the the result right but especially in our game uh, and probably even the uh, the offside call in the Brisbane game we're not getting the right result we're going we're going the uh, I guess the right way about it in terms of trying to uh, provide this uh, video referee but we're not getting the right results What was your view? You were obviously there at the game on Saturday. What was your view of the whole situation on uh, on on the, the penalty for, for Melbourne City?
3: Well, look, you, you call VAR a necessary evil. I disagree. I don't see why we have to have it at all. Okay. In fact, the, the reason oh, why it was brought in was in response, really, to the growing uh, abuse that referees cop week in, week out, particularly with the advent of social media. So it was, in fairness, brought in with the right intentions. The problem is, is that it just hasn't worked. And if anything, it's added to and compounded the angst surrounding referees and their decisions. Um, what happened on Saturday night was a farce, an absolute farce. Um, and what we, what we saw the impact of VAR was, was that an error by the referee was actually compounded by the use of VAR. So, if, it, if we hadn't had VAR on Saturday, yes, Kurt Ams would have made a mistake. Uh, that's my opinion, by the way. I don't think there was enough contact on Fornaroli, even for a foul, let alone a penalty or a free kick. But he made that decision. Uh, he probably made it in good faith. I sp- spoke to Kurt. Kurt, he's a nice fella. I'm sure he was honest in his decision-making. Um, but then, unfortunately, he was alerted to the VAR, come and have a look at this. And he went back and doubled his error by awarding a penalty kick. That's the effect of VAR. Mm. What a load of nonsense. We don't need this in our game. It's, you know, we need to, I've said this on many occasions, we we need to change the culture around our game. I've I've been on the Fox Sports Football Facebook page this morning. Mm. There are more comments around the VAR, than there are on KSK Honda's goal on Saturday. We're talking more about Kurt M than we are about KSK Honda. How is that right? It's ridiculous. We've got our priorities completely the wrong way around. So (laughs) for me, and I accept that it probably won't happen because I'm an old fossil and nobody listens anyway, but um, (laughs) they should get rid of this damn thing. And let's go back to actually accepting that the referees are human and occasionally they get it wrong. Let's just get on with the game. I eh?
2: couldn't agree more with you, Simon. Uh, it just adds that additional layer of subjectivity uh, in, in, the, in the decision-making yeah. process. Uh, and as you say, you end up doubling down on, on some of these uh, errors and,
3: and confusion. Can, oh, you know, can I tell you as a as a commentator as well? Half the time when these things occur, I mean, that wasn't the case on Saturday, obviously, but. Most of the time when these things occur and you see this little VAR check coming up on the corner of your screen, screen, I sit there as a commentator and think, oh, God, what's this for? (laughs) You know, I've got no idea. And a lot of people at home, I'm sure, have got no idea. And the fans inside the stadium have got no idea. So if we are going to have this thing, we have to open up the microphones and listen to the conversation between the VAR and the yeah. referee. But the reason we, we don't do that is because FIFA won't allow it. So do, do They us... want this thing, but they won't allow you to actually listen in and understand what is being done whilst you're paying your money to watch this tribe. I mean, what a load of rubbish.
0: Do Fox Sports have access to that feed between what's going on between <clears throat> VAR and and the referee? I know you can't broadcast it, but do you have access to that frequency?
3: No, we, I don't think we have access in that we we can actually listen in. Yeah. Uh, but the, the technology is there to do that. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but at the moment, we're not allowed to. Now, what what is supposed to happen, there is, as I understand it, an assistant VAR who's part of his job or her job is to actually communicate with the Fox Sports uh, production team to say, look, this is what we're checking for. But as you can imagine... In the heat of the moment, when there's 40,000 people watching a derby, when there's a a very confusing moment unfolding and the referee's trying to make sense of it, the assistant VAR is trying to help out his guy who's reviewing all the pictures and giving best advice. So the last thing he's thinking of is the TV pictures. The end product, the end result is that we all sit there for two or three minutes, you know, picking our noses, trying to figure out half the time what on earth is going on. And everybody's in the dark. I mean, it's it is the most ludicrous system. I don't know how they dream this up, um, but I wish they'd get rid of it.
2: Spot on, Simon. Now, look, it, it'd be remissive me to, um, as a fellow colleague in uh, heavy metal music, to not uh, touch on <laughs> one of one of your other loves in in, in music, and uh, just a. A quick two-fold question. Uh, did you manage to catch Bruce Dickinson's uh, speaking show at the Enmore last Thursday? Yeah. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> the youth of today, Jason, doesn't know <laughs> who uh, Bruce Dickinson is. And second ah. of all, you, you you expressed dismay at a Star Wars round, but I'm sure you'd get behind a heavy metal round.
3: <laughs> yeah, I might do that. Uh, the answer <laughs> to your first part of your question is, uh, unfortunately, no, I didn't. Um, the night he was uh, speaking at the Enmore Theatre, he might have done two nights actually. But anyway, I was unavailable for whatever reason, so I didn't get to, to hear him. But I have seen him and Iron Maiden on uh, two or three occasions now when they've played in Sydney. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fairly happy with that. Um, a heavy metal round, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I suppose uh, Ryan Grant and, and, with his haircut could fit in. Someday could be called Black Sabbath. <laughs> couldn't it? or something like that uh, well, wonderful s- I like it
0: well Simon thanks for coming on uh, on for Buck's sake today and uh, you've got a, a long season ahead in the commentary box we wish you the best of luck for the, uh, for the season ahead
3: thanks guys have a great week
0: thank you Simon
1: Joining us for Season 4 is a new partner to FES, Royal Parade Creative. Royal Parade Creative is a Melbourne-based studio that produces simple, clever design solutions done with a high level of care and sophistication, specialising in brand identity development and redevelopment, campaign art direction, typography, illustration and digital Royal Parade offers a lot of services you'd expect from a large agency without the large agency price tag. So if you need a new club badge, billboard, bar menus or sake bottle packaging, get in touch and find out how Royal Parade can make it happen. Mention FVS for a 10% discount on your first design project. Brand, art, design and thinking, royalparade.com.
0: And thanks to Royal Parade who are coming on board for the season. Now That must be noted that it is our good friend, Wayne, who... um, does who, who made our FES logo yes he did so you can see an example of his work there also does all the clothing there's a new summer range coming out oh. uh imminently saw so some keep...
1: de- saw some designs the other yep. night
0: it's gonna be yeah, it's going it's, it's looking really good so lots to um get excited about they uh do all of our uh pretty much all of our graphic design work as well so you can see an example of their work if you do want to get some quality work done uh get on to royal parade there Time to discuss some tidbits. Dave, we've got a new signing potentially. It looks like everything's been confirmed except for the club confirmation. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this guy, Ramat Akbari.
2: He had some uh, appearances last season for Brisbane Raw. A very exciting youngster. Uh, uh, I believe his story is that he's a refugee. His uh, family fled war torn uh, Pakistan. Uh, Sorry, his family fled to Pakistan from. Uh, Afghanistan, where he was born and settled in southeast Queensland as refugees, about uh, ten, thirteen years ago. So he is a youngster who can really fill that void for us. Probably out wide more is an attacking midfielder, but can also play as a bit of a winger. Uh, so I think the circumstances around this one—it's the second loan deal to to happen in the A League behind the Danny De Silva one. And in this case, it's a, it's a situation where in the A-League, you can only register it as senior contracted players, about 23 uh, senior contracted players within the cap. And I think the circumstances were such that Brisbane had already filled their, their full 23, and for us, we still had a gap. But not only that, we had to fulfil a uh, requirement to have a certain amount of players that were under 20. So, so I think the loan deal actually look works out well for both parties.
0: Yeah, I think Craig Moore is disputing that loan deal though. He says that he's no longer a member of the Brisbane brawl and he, it'll be what? just a, a player. Yeah, he, <laughs> he said that to Vince Rigari on Twitter. So uh, I was initially, Interesting. initially speculated that it was that under-23 loan deal. Craig Moore disputes that. I'm not too sure. I'm trying to find some information if Craig Moore is actually still what, So they law. never
1: signed him for a pro contract?
0: No, they didn't sign him. So he's um, yeah, he's going to sign for a pro contract with... Uh, with yeah, Martin with Mitchell. us.
2: Yeah. But um, yeah, so he's a youth squad player yeah. at the Raw. Now, I don't know uh, if... Look, all of this will come out in the wash probably yeah. in the next few days, but ultimately he'll be what we think... He'll be on on loan for us for the whole season. So right. let's hope so, because I think having a, an extra player, particularly you know after losing Theoharis, a youngster who you know has got a bit of a cocksure ethnic about him, uh, could be uh, a good addition.
0: Can you be cocksure ethnic from Afghanistan? Of course you can. Okay. Of course you can. <laughs> uh, is uh is so is will, will he replace the
1: uh, the spot in the squad that our previous young cocksure ethnic left is, is he is i think he, so yeah yeah well look
2: uh, oh the other reason i think is um i only found this out during the week but burkan Kadar is like banned for the whole um
1: oh yeah because of his uh fracar at uh, north yeah, geelong i think he's banned for like most of the
2: season mm. oh wow um
1: yeah it was a big punch on
0: recently
2: yeah, over at North Geelong when uh, the victory yeah. and tell side. you, they yeah. want to fight. I, no, no. I,
0: it spilled like there was yeah. there was people parents John- parents from the from the grandstands getting into the into the it, stuff. His yes, dad there was, was actually yeah, involved into yeah. the course. field. <laughs> it's not a it's not a suburban football brawl without some parents getting involved from the sidelines. There's nothing better than parents getting involved in kids fucking punch-ons in a sporting game. <laughs> Speaking from experience, oh, Joe, it's like dead set that my whole Big life Joe, growing uh, up. In, nah, Big Joe never did it, but. Uh, growing up in Sunbury, playing AFL, there were many, many punch-ons involving parents jumping into the um, into the field of play. Uh, let's discuss. Actually, no, just quickly on that. Going back, I felt that our depth on off the bench, while we had some big names with Valeri and Broxham and Ingham, lacked a bit of oomph. So hopefully, you know, players like this and a bit of an attacking spark could actually um, give us some further depth on the bench because right now we're I think we're stacked in the midfield and defence but perhaps a little bit lacking in the front third although Jayang and uh, Kenny Arthur will, will play big parts of that throughout the, the course of the season.
1: Look, our bench is never going to be a star uh, started bench. Yeah. Hard to do in the A-League but we're that side that puts all their cap resources into the top end of town. And you never. Gonna, we're never going to have anything. But yeah, we we are a bit light on, and I think that's just the way we play.
0: Dave, you watch a lot of A League. Obviously, the first round this this weekend. What were your thoughts in general across the the A League?
2: Uh, well, only two teams lost. We were one of them. So uh, and. and <laughs> It's it's a, a bit of a logjam with the draws. So some surprising results. The you know, Central Coast Mariners probably did better than most would have predicted mm. against Brisbane Raw at Suncorp. Wellington. And Wellington, Wellington. pulled out a win. Uh, Mark Rudin, in his first game in charge, managed to knock off the Newcastle Jets. The grand finalists and uh, it There was the an awesome banner in the crowd f- uh, put up by the Yellow Fever, and it was like... Uh, down Rudan oh, yeah. Sport, which a big TIFO-style banner with that on it. Uh, I probably oh, that's messed my mind. Taimikanga Rudan.
0: Maybe, maybe uh, I have Maybe yeah, say okay, it. Okay, we've got it, mate. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Good one, Dave. I thought the uh, <laughs> the Adelaide-Sydney game was an interesting one. I watched that with a whole bunch of uh, guys. I had a bet uh, on that. And I fucking
0: won it. So oh, good, good one, good, good. To start off with the win on the punt.
1: I think Adelaide look okay. Uh, they're, they're not going to score great goals this year or... They're not gonna. They don't have an attacking nucleus in their side. It doesn't look like they've got too much up front. And Sydney don't play with that air of invincibility anymore.
0: No, they looked very fucking. Vulnerable. They looked better.
1: I made the call that I think Coric is going to be a disaster, and then and Lafondre had not touched it then, and then he scored about two seconds later with what looked like a a, a run of the mill kind of tap in, and it was all about the cross from Ninkovic. but he did some. That was a quality finish by him. He just glided that across his own... It, it and he that's did a, what he's there for. Yeah, he did more with that than what I think he did. But it was interesting watching his game too because he's played at quite a decent level in the championship and scored a lot of goals in what you probably could call the most competitive league in Europe mm-hmm. in the championship. It's fast, it's physical. There are a lot of Premier League-style standard players that yo-yo in and out of that league and he was fucking cooked... Like he he struggled with the pace and the physicality of the league too. So all in all, I think uh, A League football has uh, stepped up a notch. We did the review uh, the week before, saying that a lot of teams have probably bolstered best they've ever bolstered, and it's showing. Uh, we've our referees still suck; uh, they're probably some of the worst in professional
0: football in the world. But our uh, our football is getting a lot better. Some shame, some Mehmet, Do you think with Steve Corica?
1: <laughs> nah, I don't think it's that bad. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad. I don't think it's that bad. Corica's has at least been in an a uh, a league environment for mm. quite a long time. Um it was
0: just a He went a bit over the top with the the outfit, I feel. Like. Oh, that's what that was one of the first Straight things out of we talked about. manager uh, like, I'm one. sorry
1: Steve, like then you don't do the knit. Yeah. You're not there yet. Is like, there like a
0: specific like football manager store that you can go to? Just like the, the knit, the sweater vest and the... Uh, the well, John, he's going for the,
1: the pep, pep Guardiola kind yeah, of... But uh, John Lewis like, is the only guy in this league that can pull the Steve knit off. Steve
0: Corker is a, is a tracksuit man through and through. Just keep the tracksuit on, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, look, Have we uh, ever had a tracksuit with football boots on in the A-League The <laughs> manager? Marco Kurtz... He'd be that
2: guy. Tony Popovich is a bit of a tracksuit yeah. guy. Yeah. And what I loved about Mark Rudin was Mark Rudin went for this all-black kind of thing. I don't know if he was trying mm. to endear himself to the Kiwi population, <laughs> but he reminded me of, like, uh, in the NSL, the, the, the Melbourne Knights uh, managers like Mirko Bazic and guys mm. like that used to just wear this, like, black jacket with a, a T-shirt underneath or something like that. That's what Rudan was going for. So I like the different... Fashion uh, observations of different managers. Merrick, uh,
1: Merrick was a, a uh, like the parachute jacket and pants kind yeah, of yeah. guy, but he, he resisted.
0: Is. He resisted the suit, I think, for a long time. Yep. But yeah. yeah, it was always a tracksuit man. Uh, the Vuck documentary on the final series, believe, was uh, aired on Fox Sports on I think it was Wednesday night. Fantastic production. Uh, Well done to Chris, uh, who is the video editor at Melbourne Victory, has been uh, getting a lot of praise, not only for this, but also for a lot of the off-season video work that he's done. uh, And this was a fantastic production. Really gave us an insight into The Inner Sanctum. We did a bit of a remix of the the documentary, which you can see on our uh, social media pages. That was fantastic, by the way. (laughs) But great, gave us great insight to The Inner Sanctum. And really, uh, the thing I took away from it is just... How fascinating it was to see how Kevin Musket gets his players up and how he motivates them, and it was something that was gave me a bit of a whole new respect for Kevin Muscat. Carl, shouldn't, shouldn't Carl, really, Carl, as a Carl, Carl, not at all, but just the the, the, the Carl thing it. was interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. I thought. But so you got to work hard
1: this week, boys. You got you got to work hard. Carl, Carl, <laughs> James, Jimmy, Jimmy, got to work hard this week. Carl, it's, there's a lot of that. It's <laughs> there was like, a lot yeah, of that. It's good. Yeah, it's uh, it did get. The
2: uh, goosebumps going, particularly as the as the Docco progressed through to the Sydney semi final game, and at that particular time uh, we were involved in a group chat with the uh, Destruction in the Box boys, and it was just as the uh, Antonis goal was coming on, and it was just yeah, mind blowing to watch it again in that context. But I tell you what, Jace, your video that you put out and uh, the build up to Antonis's goal that was uh, even more euphoric.
0: It's the most important piece of work I've ever produced. I was really <laughs> oh, it. I
1: still think the Kevin Musket chewing the
0: gum was oh, yeah, quite good. Blow
1: yeah. my whistle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Dave, put down the rundown. King Kenny picking up then from the airport, a nice oh, little yeah. from the can't of that. Yeah, yeah, he's got
1: a new nickname uh, on this podcast now, The Chauffeur.
0: The Chauffeur, okay. That
2: was just a brilliant piece of, I don't know even what you would call it, comedy
0: oh, slash, quality. King Kenny's uh, quality. Indies yeah. his legend to Artistry. the fan base even more, and just on Tommy Dang, fantastic story with uh, him and Bill. Um, awesome growing up together. Didn't realize they grew up together. Pretty much, you know, coming through the the ranks together and starting, or you know, debuting at the same time. Just an amazing story and uh, well done, but to both of them, getting a win. You know, great, it, great science. It's a
2: great Australian story. This one,
0: you know, uh, and I, I loved it.
2: Absolutely loved it, and uh, hope to see more of it. Uh, as the years go on, with you know every Australian—sorry to get slightly political—but every Australian generation has been you know marked by the various contributions of different ethnic communities, and you know the the African communities more recently are now starting to make their mark in Australian football. And you can look to the Socceroos as your true reflection of Australian society and how awesome it can be.
0: Let's look ahead to <laughs> the game on Sunday night. I looked at this, this fixture time and I thought, do we have a day off on Monday? <sighs> 7 p.m. on a Saturday, or sorry, Sunday night at Amy Park, returning to Amy Park at least after the Monster Trucks had their go on it last week. Hopefully the, the pitch is all right. Amy Park generally has a pretty good record of getting their pitches up regardless of what goes on beforehand, whether it's a Bon Jovi concert or Monster Trucks, which have been there uh, numerous times in the past. Yeah, shit game time. Perth. Under Popper, they're a completely different side um, and didn't get the win against Western Sydney Wanderers, but Davey thought their performance was pretty good.
2: I like what they bring. And look, they're they're playing in a completely different way to the Perth glory sides that we're used to seeing, um, where their midfielders get neck problems due to watching the ball sail over their head Mm -hmm. constantly. Um, They're trying to play it out from the back. So I think there's a real opportunity for us to, while they're still betting this style down, there's a real opportunity for us to to capitalise on it because, for example, Liam Reddy, I don't think he's used to playing in this particular way. So I think the key for us on Sunday is to close
0: down and press, which we're quite capable of
2: doing, and prevent them from acquiring any rhythm with that new style.
0: Mm. Should be going in with the same team, pretty much. Uh, Niedermeyer came off late with some cramp. I don't He'll think be that's fine. going to be any much of a problem. Toivinen, yeah, you said two to four weeks. Well, I don't goes, know if that's the case. No, yeah, that's just a bit of a rumour. Yeah. He's underdone, and he had a bit of a calf issue, that the broadcast mentioned on Saturday night. A lot of people a bit mystified how you can go from a World Cup, you know, theoretically being in peak physical condition, you get yourself up for a World Cup, and then uh, a matter of months later... You can't play because you're underdone. You can't play at A-league level. I don't you know. We're not sports scientists. We don't know what goes into that. But it seems a bit mystifying. I'm sure he'll come good. Well, but Bud- Buds is a food scientist. Food so maybe, yeah, uh, maybe you can
1: tell us how I reckon works. he got injured at the training.
0: Yeah, yeah but even uh, Honda in the, the lead-up press said he was underdone even before he got injured. So I think he was underdone, then got injured. we bit of a double whammy. Yeah,
1: well, probably what he did was, or what they do is, they go in a training camp, they play they finish, and then they go on holiday. So they've come back from holiday. They probably didn't come in and... the, the Chicks and booze. Well, and yeah, the Swedes love then. their snuff-snuff. Um, what is it called? That that chewing tobacco
2: the what? that they have? Yeah, the snuff stuff. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah and um yeah, you know, so. Maybe he was getting... I bet he's enjoying the fact that booze doesn't cost as much down here oh. as it does in uh, Scandinavia. So it's probably a... I think
0: Sweden's not, doing a lot more things right than us. It's <laughs> not true,
1: but... If you want good booze, go down and see the guys at Temple Brewery in Brunswick. <laughs> East. It's really good. Um, look, Shameless. it's probably um, sports science is probably overdoing their work too. They probably come in and there's training loads. They don't want to. They don't want to work them too hard, and they ease them in, and then mm. that that might be the go-to. But on to Perth. Um,
2: Jason Davidson is a great addition. He
1: played a fair bit more advanced than I thought he was going to be
2: Yep. Them. Uh, so they're going to play with um a back three, back three. I think for the most part and they still don't have Spiranovic back, but Mercella, Spiranovic and probably Lowry, Lowry. going to be that back three. Yep. And you know, when it comes to Jason Davidson who play that wing back type role, so he'll get forward quite a bit. And rightly so because he's probably the best Australian they,
1: they've got, left back. They've got quite a lot of pace there. Kenashi, Fabio Ferreira, Davidson, Franjic just still got pace on him and then there's that wanker Kilkenny in the midfield. He actually played pretty well last night from what I from what I watch, so there's plenty. And then there's Keogh, who always seems to go okay against us. And, uh, yeah, he does, and he looked at a really bad year
2: last year, did. and I think he, un, under a new manager, new lease of life, I think yeah, he'll be he'll be the out there, there. And they've
1: got Economides coming off the bench, so there's plenty. Oh, there's,
2: there's, I can't believe he didn't, st- well, clearly a fitness thing, but he's surely going to be nailed on for their starting a Yeah, there's, soon. there's
1: plenty to worry about with that Perth team, but I... um. I think we uh, played well enough the other night. We were probably the best loser. There was only two losers in the uh, hmm. in the uh, league this week, but uh, we were definitely the best loser.
0: Yeah, not not enough to be too concerned about. Do you think we'll iron out those issues issues in time for Sunday's match, or oh. do you think another another week or two of uh, of a bit of a teething?
2: Oh, it's a hard one to call because both teams are adjusting to a a new style. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that gives us the huge advantage is simply that that it's a home game mm-hmm. for us and you know Perth when they're not playing in Perth are a different proposition so yeah look I'm fairly confident about our chances I really want to hear more about Toivanen's condition because mm-hmm. that's concerning
0: predictions 2-1 fuck,
2: I'm going to go with 1-0 for the Buck
0: uh, Honda penalty one old draw frustrating draw I think we're going to draw a few more times before we get a win.
1: I think it's good to be back at Amy Park very early in yep. the season as well good for the fans because uh all the bad things about Eddie had were on show the other night.
0: They're improving it, though, aren't they? Yes. They're going to integrate these superheroes into the. Into oh, it's the just thing. fucking
1: cold and yeah. windy and miserable, and the trains are. You know, every time yep. I go to the station, there's fifty minute wait for the train, and it's just oh, just it's I just painful. Don't want yeah,
2: there. and yeah, just. Uh Richmond is
1: just so much better for pre-game. And look, there's the Hof there afterwards as well, so it's bad for my personal life because I'm like, oh, I can't knock back a German beer after a game, so i go there and stay there too long. It causes <laughs> me problems. <laughs>
0: We'll uh, leave it there for this week. Thanks to Simon Hill for uh, taking the time out to speak to us this week. And thanks to you boys for coming in. Uh, We have launched a new web show as well. Uh, I'm probably going to change the name of it, but it's it's currently Soccer Twitter on FES. I'm going to change it probably during the week. Uh, We take a bit of a look at what's been happening on social media in A-League and also uh, the reaction to it of fans on social media. Thanks to our Patreons who are coming on board. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We don't really say that enough, but it does mm. bump us up a little bit on the rankings and introduces people to, for fuck's sake, who might not ordinarily be accustomed to us. So thank you for yeah. coming on board. And until next week.